October can feel like crunch time, but the cooler weather and nostalgia that always comes around this time of year creates a great opportunity to bring your team together. If I can offer one culture tip for this moment, it would be to create bonding office rituals. At rebel.com, we start each week with an all-hand stand-up Monday morning meeting. Instead of just asking people to take turns standing in a circle, we throw around a basketball. It's a great energizing way to start your week. The whole thing is recorded by someone wearing an orange-branded Rebel construction hat with a GoPro attached. Anyone who misses the meeting can catch up later on. The construction hat actually comes from another weekly ritual that we have at Rebel, Friday lunches. Every Friday, we recognize birthdays, work anniversaries, and special cultural announcements like our next corporate 10K, and we also hand out high fives. These little easy rituals brought us together as a team and definitely bring a little energy, fun, and focus to our work. Until next month, this has been Rob Villeneuve, CEO of Rebel.com and Startup Canada Fellow for Culture and Engagement. Startup Canada and Wolf Blast Wines have partnered to celebrate the regional winners of the 2016 Startup Canada Awards. Join us this fall in Waterloo, Montreal, Edmonton and Vancouver for Wolf Blast Wine tasting receptions and award ceremonies to toast this year's winners. Visit StartupAward.ca to register for your free ticket today. One of the most important parts of naming your new business is finding an available website name that works. Today's episode is brought to you by .ca. Join thousands of Canadian entrepreneurs who have chosen a .ca domain name for their business. Choose your .ca domain name at cira.ca forward slash startup today. Storytelling, the journey of real change makers and discovering their impact on the world we live in. And now, broadcasting from Fredericton, New Brunswick, on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, Rivers Corbett. Welcome to the Startup Canada Podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rivers Corbett, the CEO at coachingbyrockstars.com. Startup Canada Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the rallying network uniting Canada's entrepreneurship community. And on this podcast, we connect you, the idea person, the startup founder, the creative thinker with the movers and shakers of Canadian entrepreneurship. On the show, we will fill you in on the trends, opportunities, and possibilities of your next steps as an entrepreneur. And we're going to have amazing conversations on advancing entrepreneurial success and growth in Canada. If you are a regular Startup Canada podcast listener, Welcome back and thanks to any of our new listeners. Remember to subscribe to the Startup Canada podcast on the iTunes stores and then visit startupcan.ca to become a member of Startup Canada and get access to mentors, resources, support and opportunities to start 
and grow your business. Our guest today is Mr. Rob Villeneuve. He's the CEO of Rebel.com, and that should be enough of an inclination as to how this conversation is going to go. It's a one-stop shop to register or transfer your domain name, host your email address, access website creation tools, and more with their HQ in Ottawa, which is, of course, our nation's capital. Today's show is all about culture, one of my favorite all-time all, all topics, and because today Rob has built a strong culture of innovation, collaboration, and well-being at Rebel.com, even while pivoting, rebranding, and scaling the company. As one of Ottawa's 2016 Top 40 Under 40, Rob invests deeply into his team, customer relationships, and has built a strong community passionate about the Rebel.com brand. Love it. Rob expert, Rob's expertise is in the culmination of uh, two decades of work in domains, software development, and web solutions, but his real passion is in building agile teams and authentic corporate cultures. A, beater, a bearded tech geek. <laughs> We're going to call you out in that, Rob. Rob galvanized the Rebel team to experiment, experiment with innovation and new technology at every opportunity. Rob contributes to national and international internet policy development through his involvement with CIRA, which is the .ca gang, and ICANN, I-C-A-N-N. He is also a Startup Canada Fellow for Culture and Engagement and is a contributor to podcasts, publications that support creators and innovators to succeed. And it's why he's on the show today, because he's a contributor. Welcome to the show, Rob. Thanks, Rivers. Thanks so much for having me. I'm uh, stoked to be here and to talk about some culture. Let's do it, dude. Well, let's start with you first. Let's talk about you, your journey, and you know how did you uh, find yourself at the helm of BoomingRebel.com? Awesome. So a little about me, the bearded part is true. Nice. Um, but I get to this age where you start to lose your hair, so the beard comes in to compensate. So uh, <laughs> that, that that's that story. Love uh, it. But no, my personal life, I, uh, I'm married happily with my wife. We're expecting in October, so that's what's going on with us. Us. Congratulations. Uh, we, have, we have a lovely dog uh, as well. We live in Ottawa. Um, my journey to be uh, coming at the helm of, uh, or the, the CEO of rebel.com really started, you know, with uh, being a tech geek. I, I was uh, studying computer science at Carleton when the web was really just taking off in the late nineties. And like all of my peers, we, we made living in the summertime, you know, building websites for people and getting people online. Uh, which kind of evolved into my first startup, which uh, for most people my age is some kind of web development firm. Right. Uh, That's what what all the geeks were doing back then, uh, back in the heyday. Um, And from there, you know, I've I've had a few different jobs along the way, but, you know, most notably I've uh, failed a startup, Crash and Burn, uh, right after university. Um, but I call that my, uh, my masters in a failing a startup because yeah, it costs, welcome to the club. Yeah. Cause it costs <laughs> about the same amount of money, um, and takes about just as long and you learn probably just as much as doing your masters. Right on. Um, but that, that was my foray into being an entrepreneur. And, and, and after that, I, um, went and worked for a, for a larger web agency here in Ottawa, got to deal with a lot of awesome customers and bigger customers and, and kind of really hone my skills. Um, but after that, I wanted to get back into business. And I, I went and talked to the guys at Rebel, um, 
back then we were more known as Domains at Cost before our rebrand. And, um, you know, they'd been around 15 years, so not a startup by any means, but a, a company in need of a reboot, uh, mm. which, which in some extent is, it's different than, than a startup, but it's, it's really a, a lot of the same challenges, you know, it's the challenges of running and operating a business. Um, and it was well-established and, and well running at that point, but, you know, not growing any longer. Um, and, and the main brain trust at, at Momentus at the time was focused on other endeavors. We had a bunch of uh, different companies running at the same time and all in different, you know, different points of their journey. Um, and they, they didn't have anyone to really, really look after after this brand. So they said, hey, come in and, and don't break it. So, you know, I... I <laughs> I joined the team. I did what I thought I needed to do. I tried to fix the things we needed to fix. I tried to hang on during some of the, the, the tougher times. Um, but ultimately what happened was we started to see some success. Um, mm. and that just, that, that emboldened us. And we said, Oh, okay. I think we're, we're, we're headed in the right direction. If some of the things we're trying are starting to work. Um, so it's been six years at the helm of, of rebel.com now, but, but most notably in the last couple of years, it's been a return to growth for us. Um, it's been a rebrand. It's been a rebuilding of our culture from, from the ground up. Every aspect of our culture has, has, you know, pretty much changed uh, to be rejuvenated. Uh, and now we're, now we're hitting, you know, third gear where we're, we're growing, but now it's about growing faster. So, um, it. really it's the success along the way. There's no, uh, you know, there, there's no magical moment where it happened. It's just a bunch of little steps along the way that, uh, that got us here. So let's talk about your, your branding, uh, renovation. I think that's the best way to describe it. A good friend of mine, a recent podcast guest, Lindsay Boyd, she, uh, she talked about her business is all about teaching companies how to brand. And one of them is to help them renovate. What's, what's, uh, is, is there anything that you, in your experience can convey to our audience today about, okay, building, beginning with the brand is easy compared to renovating and here's how you renovate. Is there, a is there a couple of top things that if you're going to renovate your brand, you should focus in on based on your experience? Uh, yeah. I mean, um, by no means a branding expert, but, it, but in terms of our, our experience, um, you know, we, we did it a certain way and we went about it and it was kind of funny because after we were kind of halfway through our journey of transition, we, we sought a couple of experts. We saw them at a conference and they were talking about the right way to do this. And we realized that we had hit on a lot of their key points. Um, and really, uh, when you talk about rebranding for us, it wasn't about starting with the brand. It's starting with the narrative. It's starting with the purpose. Mm. So there's a lot of people out there preaching this. They do a much better job than I will. But Simon Sinek is one of them with his TED talk, Start With Why, which right. is all about defining your purpose. And if you haven't seen that, go see it. Pretty popular um, one, isn't it? Yeah. And another mm -hmm. another person I want to give a call out to is the person who is giving this conference. Is He goes by one name. It's Balaji. And he's with ThinkShift. Um, and he has a talk called The Power of Intentionality. And when he, out, when he outlines branding, he really talks talks about, you know, building a business as a whole and he builds out from the center. He says, okay, well, any startup or any business starts with its leaders and they're obviously at the center because they set the tone and the objectives and they do all that. But the question is in what order? And what he really stated is, you know, it starts with a narrative 
which is again, starting with why that's your purpose. What's your story? You know, your short story, how do you inspire others to want to work with you and join your mission? And when you're there, you're, once you have your narrative, then you start putting together pieces that talk about culture and brand. And culture and brand are really the reflection of each other. The culture is internal. That's what you talk about you know, to your employees and how they feel and how they act and how they respond to problems. Um, and your brand is external. So that's how you project your culture out to the world. So it could be maybe a little filtered or a little altered, but it's not really going to be all that different from your culture. Brilliant. Brilliant. Right? Yep. Once you're done all that, what, what his, the main point of his talk was your strategy is now a piece on top, right? These are the foundations of intent. So when we look at rebels journey and, and why I think it, it worked and we're sitting here, you know, a couple years after and talking about success is because we didn't skip those steps. Right. Right. We, we did, we started with our purpose and that, that took a lot of time to redefine a purpose. It sounds obvious for a company that's 15 years old, what the purpose is. Um, but, but we needed to, to start there and to rebuild and, and build it that way. So how, what's the, what's the purpose now that, that really drives your organization forward? Right. Our purpose is just that we recognize the passion we have for the internet um, and getting online and sharing your story and sharing your vision and, and how fulfilling and rewarding that is for us to do. So that's what we made our purpose is our purpose is to help others do that. So, you know, we call ourselves experts in domain names and the tools that make the most of them um, because it's not just about getting a good domain name, which is, you know, center to your brand, but it's also about how do you share your story and how do you convert and how do you get eyes and how do you get out there. And that's not just about domain names. Right. Um, so really, you know, for a company that could take a really technical approach, we're trying to abandon, not necessarily abandon, but we're trying to de-emphasize, you know, what the technology is and, and focus more on, on the outcomes of our customers. And how do you do that? It, it's, it's hard, but <laughs> the first step, the first step is to make that the core, to make that the core purpose, because then, then, then when you revisit your brand, when you revisit your messaging, when you revisit your strategy, when you revisit the tools you offer and how they work, um, that should be the core being right. So it's not for us, it's not about offering the most technically advanced features. It's about offering the simplest, most effective features, right? Just simple decisions like that. Other decisions it's led to, say, in customer service, um, we have, we run a call center. We have to answer a lot of questions. What's their attitude and their demeanor? Do they do they get on the phone with you and and treat you like you are someone who's starting an endeavor and has a ton of questions and needs some help, even if it's pointing you to uh, a competitor and helping yes. you out with their service? Do we take that helpful attitude, or do we, you know, just try and answer the calls as quickly as we can? So really, when it's the purpose, it can inform all kinds of other decisions, and the examples at this point are almost endless. Do you do a lot of the user research? Um, we do some. I mean, I know some... Uh, some companies do a lot more than us in terms of, of, of the analysis. Uh, for us, user research just means talking to your user. Yeah, right on. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, I think we're going to come back to that a lot, whether you're dealing with employees yep. or users, it's, it's really about uh, conversations, not necessarily about a bunch of market analytics, but that's how I approach it. 
Yeah, well, and it's a. Uh, I was talking to uh, one of my previous guests about user research, Alec Levin, the other day, and we were talking about. Uh, I mean, his company is all about that, specifically as it relates to development of products, and um, and it's so simple, but yet so many companies are not doing it. They're just, they're they're just re they're just doing what they think is right and not having a relationship with their customers, which is very wrong. And you know what it is? It's it's that the idea is simple, so yes. we all think we get it. Um, yeah. In practicality, it's not simple. Um, an example that we're struggling with right now is um, we have developers and they work on, on weekly and monthly cycles to get new features out. And how are they able to communicate? Are they able to directly communicate with a customer? Right on. Because really, that's who should be evaluating whether this is a win or a loss. Not mm. Not me, not them right? It should be the user. So when you think about that, that's a challenge that we're facing right now, where it's like, if we're going to take the next step be to becoming more user, more customer centric, you know, those conversations need to happen there. For some organizations, that's easy because maybe you're a consulting firm and you have five customers. Um, for us, we're in the hundreds of thousands. So how do we get information about what the customer's thinking and feeling um, right into the heart of our organization, and is that part of your uh, your passion in building an agile team? Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, when we talk about agile teams, you know, you could spend more than one podcast talking about them. But mm. fundamentally, what it comes down to for me is just a small little loop, which is listen to feedback, act, measure, listen to feedback, act, measure. That's all agile is. And and when we talk about building agile teams, that means that they're focusing on themselves. And we talk about building agile or lean product, it means talking to the users. So there's a lot of parallels between those two. When we talk about building authentic culture or honest culture, it's the same thing, right? It's, it's only honest and authentic if you're listening to your feedback and, and constantly, constantly adjusting. And when you came into uh, to start to not not to mess up at rebel.com, did you have that concept of agile team uh, as part of your your beginning uh, strategy as, as leading? Not at all. Um, you know, I, I led led dev teams in my past, um, and we'd played around with agile, and we definitely knew what agile was. But but you know, I, I do a lot of work with the agile community here in Ottawa, and one of its failings. Uh, or let's call it the next challenge for agile is to break out of being developer centric. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you got to step you back for a sec. There's sure. an agile community. There definitely is an agile community, <laughs> but the fact that you don't know about it shows you, you know, that I it's, think how niche it is. Yeah, it's very niche. Absolutely. But it's, right. it's interesting. It's, it's agile. There's an association uh, around it and you don't like it. You, you say there's some challenges with Though, it, which I is kind of good. I think that their challenge is, let me put it this way. When I look at, you asked about rebel strategy and I, yeah. and you said, did I intend to be agile? And the answer is no. I, I intended for the dev team to be agile because I'm a developer and right. that's where, that's where agile is used. Okay, cool. Um, but what happened was uh, it, it worked. It took a team that was kind of down in the dumps and not really thinking that they were valued and didn't know the direction and didn't think their opinions were being followed and didn't think we were listening to users. And they were really down and beat up. And once we start to put agile methodology in, they became, you know, inspired, engaged, more productive, were probably doing less work overall, but hitting better targets, all of these outcomes you want. And what happened was the teams that were neighboring us took notice. 
right. and said, well, wow, that, that, that transition of the dev team in the last six months has been, you know, epic. How did you guys do that? And I, well, I didn't have an answer. I said, uh, we, we started to do agile, <laughs> right? So what happened there was I took it to, I think it was the marketing team next. And I just started to ask them some of the questions that agile coaches ask, yes. you know, about, um, how do you measure success? How do you know you're doing a good job? You know, could you check in at any moment in time and know you're on track or off track? You know, how do your users contribute? How do your employees contribute? All of these questions. And, and they didn't have great answers. They had a process, but they couldn't answer my questions. So I said, well, why don't you just try agile? Here's how it works. And after the marketing team did it, now I had two case studies while the accounting team wanted to try and the customer service team wanted to talk, try and the operations team wanted to try. And the next thing you know, I had an agile organization on my hands. Love it. And does it, does it, does it, sorry, uh, Rob, does it form the, the basis of your corporate culture? Is that the hub? hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and agile comes in many, many forms and many layers, um, but I think when I look at it, I say, you know, I already spoke about the foundation. The foundation is, are you regularly checking in? Are you asking for feedback and are you acting on it? And do you have an experimental attitude towards changing things to achieve better outcomes based on that feedback? Mm. And, and really, really, that's it. Um, all the other stuff we do is to help and our safety nets and our tricks and our ways to help people do that. Um, but but those are all tricks on the, on the foundation. The foundation is just that. Um, and, and why I come back to the agile community and say, I think we can do a better job is I've, I've witnessed the power of agile to non-development teams. Mm. I've witnessed it to our organization to be the heart of its culture. I've witnessed it for my wife, um, who's an architect here in Ottawa and has her own architecture firm. When they were first getting established, I asked if I could be their coach. We set them up on agile, you know, from a software perspective, there's not a technical in any of their bodies, but from uh, a, a work productivity perspective, um, it's really helped and it's become the foundation of their business. So I'm looking at this and saying, wow, this tool is really powerful, but we still, we still call it a product development strategy, or we still call it a way to lead a dev team when, when really it can be the foundation of an organization. It can be foundations of teams that have nothing to do with software or product development. Where have you seen in the most unexpected spot, unexpected company that has taken this agile approach that has really transformed a company. If you can answer that question. Oh, I mean, it, it's kind of hard for me because this is, this is where I'm at at the moment. Cause I can mm. see this problem without trying to solve it. Right. Um, if I could make a plug for the agile community, they have a conference here in Ottawa. It's called uh, the Gatineau Ottawa agile tour. It's someday in November. You can look it up uh, online. Um, and, and I'm looking to take a talk uh, with them to to really engage that community and talk about these challenges about, you know, the more we think agile is useful for our, our little developer technical community. And the more we layer on terminology that only works for us and, and examples that only work for us, the more we're limiting agile's reach. Um, right on. So I, I, I hope to be a little bit of an ambassador about this or to, or to spur it on a little bit. Maybe this podcast will spur it on a little bit. Uh, the best example I have in the wildest is, is honestly my wife's architecture firm. They're, right. they're, they're not even, they don't even have a software dev component. Like my rebel still has a really, we still deliver a technical good and we still are dominated by a technical team. So it makes a lot of sense to have agile as the, the core foundation of your culture. Um, but, but for them in, in the architectural discipline, you know, their, their starting point couldn't be further 
uh, from a tech team. However, all the challenges of that team are the same. Cool. Well, look, I follow you uh, rebel.com on Twitter and it's so cool to see your photos of your team in action and all that kind of stuff. And uh, with Uber puppies to planking and so on is, is, uh, is first question is, does your team mind you posting pictures of them in action or you just say, screw it, I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Or, and second of all, does it really, if, and I presume that they enjoy it or else, I mean, you would respect that, but is there, there an element of, that helps drive the the heart, the emotional piece of of Rebel being such an awesome place to li- work and live, and therefore we should, uh, you know, and 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 being agile is all part of that. Is that the emotional piece? Uh, yeah, and 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 you know, to be to be honest with this, to be honest with your culture means it fits, and I mean we shifted a little bit of our culture in the direction we wanted. But we didn't choose a culture that was the antithesis of what we are. Right. And when you look at what we are, we're a bunch of people who share on social media. We're a bunch of people that do those kinds of things anyways. We just decided that we were going to be open and honest about it with our brand as well as our culture. Right. Right. Very Um, cool. So I don't think, you know, people haven't come up to me yet and said, you're sharing too much. Um, I have a lot of people come to me and tell me they're very envious of what's going on. Yes. Uh, so that kind of point tells me, you know, we're doing, we're doing something right. And how many, how big is your organization right now? People wise. Uh, we're about 50. Nice. Nice. No, how many were there when you started, uh, six years ago? Yeah, it's a tough, it's a difficult question to answer. Cause, uh, and back then we were, uh, you know, uh, a, a member of a parent organization. Okay. Okay. Right. Um, but you know, working directly on us, probably the low point was, was about five or 10. Fantastic. Some, somewhere yeah. in there. Um, and a, then a lot of help f- and support from the other organization as we've rebranded rebel, we've adopted pieces of that organization in to become us. Yes. Um, and that's how we've grown. Did you ever once along your journey when you were brought into not not mess it up, say, what the heck am I doing? Oh, all the time. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Even this morning. <laughs> yeah. Even this morning. I, I love the honesty of my guests. They're just so, yeah, it's so, it, it's, it's hard. And yeah, I made mistakes. It's so transparent. I love it. I think, you know, I, I if that's going to be our brand and our culture, and we're going to honestly say that that we're being authentic about it, then we all have to be it myself too. Um, we've done things in town, uh, to, to engage with the community. Uh, there's one called and pardon my language, but it's their name, uh, fuck up nights. Yeah. What is that again? Yeah, so it's uh, it it's uh, I we've dealt with the Ottawa no, chapter. Well, you can, I want to hear you say the name again. I love it. Yeah, fuck up nights. <laughs> nice. Is that nights as in armor nights or night in the sense of darkness? No, it's night as in like we're going to meet at nighttime and we're going to talk about how we screwed up. <laughs> um, Beautiful. Be, because there's so much, you know, there's so much more to be gained out of those failures, and and if we're embarrassed by them and refuse to share them, then people aren't, aren't going to get the most out of them. So, so I have no problem telling you that even this morning, you know, I think that's part of the entrepreneurial journey is that, you know, you have gut checks on things. Right. Um, if you truly are passionate and you truly do care about what's going on, you're going to have those constantly. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about uh, the outside now of your world. You, we've been talking a lot about the inside, and we did talk about a little bit there about fucked up nights. I love it. And um, my uh, my question is, is though, how do you engage your community of customers who you technically don't have direct control over? Uh, we just try and do everything we can to en- engage with them. So, I mean, easy points are we engage with them, obviously, on our website and the tools we deliver and the tools we use to, to monitor what's going on. Uh, but we have a very fulsome customer service center that's willing to help people out. So that's a great source of, of you know, directly interacting um, with our customers. But other than that, it's it's hitting the road. It's getting out and doing podcasts, going to events, speaking on panels, um, going out to other nights that are in the city or even, you know, anywhere really um, that, that we think our customers or potential customers are and go and start a conversation with them. Um, I don't think that there's anything secret about how to engage customers other than it just it takes a lot of work, so you got to be committed to do it. Um, but it's uh, it's it. There's no there's no magic behind it. How does someone? Um, I, I I get asked sometimes. You know, how do I market my business? And my natural response is, I open up my mouth and I just talk about it. And so I know how to get onto podcasts and so on. And, and here I am doing this one full time now. It's great. But how how would you recommend that somebody who is is starting off gets gets onto podcasts or gets to speak? What's is there is there some sort of trick to the trade about how to do it, or is it just pure network? working. No, in my experience, it, it all just, you know, it, it comes, uh, these things feed into each other. So the rebel.com angle is we're going to help you do that online. We're going to get you a domain name and a website and email and help you get content published. Um, you know, super easily so that you can start to share your voice online. You can connect it with your social media um, and you can take that angle. And and what we like to do is share our experience because we're doing that. So we'll tell you what we do and what works and what doesn't and share that experience uh, with people who are getting started up. But then the rest is on you. It's, it's true. It's hitting the streets. There's so many networking events these days mm-hmm. that, that you could honestly be out there probably five nights a week in Ottawa. And I'm sure it's the same in other communities. There's no excuse to not go out and, and share your ideas and your thoughts. And, mm. and I was listening to some of your previous podcasts and I've, I think I've heard this before on your podcast, but I truly believe in it. It's when you're getting started out, there might be this part of you that wants to keep everything a secret because the idea, you know, is precious, but the reality is it's the execution that's important, not the idea. And part of the execution is networking, which means you got to tell others about your idea to get them excited about it. Nice. Right. So, you know, um, again, there's no, there's no secret. It's just hard work. Right. It's just hard work. Well, I appreciate that reinforcement. And and there is a common theme that we're getting with a lot of our guests in, in, in referencing that it can't stay in the closet. That's for sure. Well, look, let's, let's, let's kind of pivot to something that's near and dear to you. And, uh, um, that whole area of internet policy development, you know, you're a community builder and your own right in Ottawa and Canada. Can you tell us about, about your involvement with the CRA, uh, CIRA and, uh, ICANN? And, you know, how are you, how are you actually involved with the development of national and international international internet policy? Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, with CIRA, I'll help you out there. It's yeah, a lot easier to say CIRA. Thank you. 
So they're, they're the .ca registry, and I won't bore you with the details about the differences between a registrar and a registry. But ultimately, when you get a domain name set up, the registry offers the uh, the technical solution, and the registrar is who you who you deal with to get it set up. So think of it like a like a broker. Um, so we deal with with Sierra uh, as one of our suppliers. So we we help people register .ca names with Sierra. That's a, that's our role. So we're heavily involved with Sierra all the time. Um, and we get to see exactly what, you know, um, our users are saying about them uh, and what their pain points are and their difficulties. So really my involvement with Sierra started there. Um, just, just, you know, fostering that relationship of, of giving good feedback and being, you know, part of the supply chain. Um, but more recently I've joined their board of directors. So this will be my third year on the board of directors where it's more about you know, seeing problems at a higher level, uh, setting the vision for the domain name space and the internet space in Canada moving forward. And, and Sierra has a lot of initiatives going on, um, you know, that, uh, that address a whole bunch of key topics that are related to domain names, but not exactly domain names. Uh, you know, the, the internet performance test to name one um, is where they're helping Canadians measure the performance of the internet and, and presenting that information back in a de- digestible format. Um, the kinds of things that you know, early days, but the kinds of things that they're seeing are that certain neighborhoods have drastically different internet performance than other neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking at that as a serious issue about, you know, not just an economic divide, but a technological divide and what is the impact on our society. So they're doing some great things um, there and it's fun to be able to get to to contribute on on a whole bunch of stuff like that with CIRA. And then ICANN is... Um, the international body for for GTLDs, we call them, so things like .com and .net, more so than 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 CIRA, which is .ca, which is a country code. Um, but it's a very similar role. But some of the things that we're involved with with ICANN is a participant in the community. Um, you know, is is rolling out domain names uh, in non-Latin characters, and for a North American, that sounds you know benign or not really a big issue. But when you think about um, who is and who is not on the internet across the world globally, you'll recognize that the majority of those people who are not on the internet today um, don't use Latin characters as their native language. Mm. Um, and the domain name space right now uses Latin characters. And, and up until a few years ago, we even attached, you know, weird endings on things. So if you think the example I always use is, is, is China, but if you think about someone in China using a domain name, they would attach the funny Latin characters C and N onto the end of every web address that they typed without really having any relationship with what those letters are or mean. That's a North American name. Uh, an English name, you know, for, for their country, they don't identify with it. So that's one thing, you know, through the work we are doing at ICANN and, and with Rebel bringing internationalized domain names in all kinds of, of character sets and languages so that uh, people in India and China and even in Russia and Africa can use their own, their own native languages on, on the internet. And when you think about where the next, you know, billion internet users are coming from, it's going to be from those regions. So the tools better work to serve them. And another thing that's kind of, that's near and dear to my heart um, in terms of, of contributing at ICANN is, is just around the debate of, of, you know, privacy. Um, I think online privacy is, is very important um, when you look at the actions of the NSA and, Edward Snowden and everything that's going on uh, in terms of, of surveillance, um, you know, we do want to have security online and we do want to, 
to have, you know, a safe internet, but at the same time, safety means that, you know, we, we preserve freedom of speech and, and we, you know, help people maintain a, a reasonable amount of, of privacy online. Um, so those are two areas that are super active right now in, in the domain name space um, that, that require a lot of work and, and, and a lot of conversation. Yeah, I appreciate that insight. I was going to reference, uh, you know, what what are the things we need to be focused in on going forward? And you, you, uh, you, uh, you, you allowed us that, that look without me asking the question. So thank you very much for that. You know, I heard an interesting, you talk about how the internet is becoming much more involved with society. I, I was listening to um, the the big radio station in our city of Fredericton today, and the, the question came on, how many, last year, 11% of newborn had this happen to them and uh you know everybody goes you know cleft tongue all that kind of stuff but no they were given uh, their parents got them email addresses to start their journey with life and they were writing things to their kids for the last you know two or three years so it's it's no doubt about it that internet is really becoming integrated into so many different aspects of our life and privacy is a critical concern with that no doubt about it oh yeah of course and we see that all the time we have uh we have new parents i'll do this i'm sure uh registered to domain names for the child so that they yep. have their own, their own domain name. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. My nephew, my, I've got three kids and all, they all have their own. And my oldest or my youngest, I was taking her to college today. And I was just reminding her of that. And she says, what do I ever want that for dad? I'm not going to want that. And she's 17. So of course, you know, she doesn't have long-term vision. She has short-term vision. And yeah, uh, yeah one of these days, she's going to be happy. One of these days, she's going to thank dad. <laughs> yes. He's going to thank dad. Well, one of the questions I have Rob um, uh, is well, really to help me ultimately as I coach and mentor and work with startup entrepreneurs, you know, people always ask me, you know, how important is it to have a .com address uh, versus a .ca, .net, org, whatever? Which, how do you respond to that as, a, as somebody that really plays deeply in that game? My first response is to get them all. Yes. Because that's the obvious one that benefits us. Yes, that's right. Of course, it's good yeah. for business. Yeah, and, but but there's there's some theory behind this. So obviously, um, it's really up to you. I think. I think in in North America, we have a certain perspective, but it's not the perspective shared by the globe. Um, and and through my policy work with with ICANN and, and, you know, being fortunate with this job, I've done a ton of traveling for this job and I get to see how it works all over the world. And it, it's only a only in Canada uh, and maybe Mexico. Is it a question of should I get a CA or a com? Um, in the rest of the world, uh, you'll see one. You, you usually see the country code be the most prevalent for the national brands and you'll see .com or .net be the most prevalent for international brands. .net, so, interesting. Yeah, or, or any of the other new GTLDs because that's something else that's happened in our industries that there's been, uh, you know, a few hundred new options uh, released. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, .apps are coming out soon, .web, .golf, uh, .pizza. Yeah. Name a thousand. Yeah. Uh, that, that have come out in the last little while um, to help people, you know, get out their to get their brand out into the wild uh, and to have a unique name and something that's different. But ultimately, the debate of CA or COM, uh, you know, just just comes down to who are you trying to serve and who are you trying to reach? Right. And if you're trying to reach Canadians, I think CA is an awesome awesome option. Um, if you're hoping to go a little more international.com is also a great option. If you know you're going to target you know, let's say Mexico specifically, then get an MX. 
It, it's really about where you're going to target, who are you trying to reach and, and what are they most used to is, is really the answer to that question. So it does involve you uh, generally getting more than one. Uh, but when we look at the costs of domain names and registering domain names, I mean, we're anywhere from, you know, 10 to to $25 for the majority of them uh, annually. Um, and sometimes we even have sales down you know, into the $2 range. So it's not a great expense. Right so on. you can, you can get a, a bunch of domain names and try them. You can get domain names, you know, for different products, different marketing messages, different campaigns. It doesn't all just have to be your corporation's name and where you're located. Um, you can get really, really creative with domain names and, and they're a very inexpensive way um, to, to push branding and messaging. So that's, that's, that's the way we look at it and how I try and answer that question. I guess it's a non-answer and that I didn't tell you which was better. But, <laughs> but you were being agile is what you were doing. Doing my best. <laughs> my friend, Rob, you have the last word to our great audience across the, uh, the country, coast to coast. We've talked a lot today about agile teams, culture, community activation, and the internet in Canada, and whether or not you should have a .ca or .com. Is there anything else that you would like to leave us with after this great conversation? My parting advice is just to, to repeat something I've said a few times before. You know, I think... Ultimately, those who are uh, successful uh, in business, it's all because they have a great attitude. Certainly, um, that's how I look at, at myself and, and really try and, you know, keep my attitude in check and always on the up and up. Um, and, and when you have that kind of attitude, you can listen and, and influence others. So it's about listening, listening to feedback, collecting feedback as often as you can and genuinely trying to do something positive with that feedback and, and repeat. It's, it's really as simple as that. I can't wait to, uh, well, I mean, from the outside looking in, your child is going to have a wonderful journey in life as you as a dad. And I'm sure, I don't know, I don't know their mother, so I can only speak for the dad, but you, you keep doing your leadership, your your change uh, management that's going on and, uh, and look after us from an internet perspective. It's going to be uh, really cool to continue to watch rebel.com and you. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thanks so much, Rivers. I had, a, I had a great time. Thank you for joining us today on the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly program dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every Canadian. Want access to even more amazing entrepreneur content? Well, then make sure you check out startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events. And my name is Rivers Corbett. I'm your host. As always, I invite you to follow me on Twitter at Rivers Corbett. I do the same thing with conveying all kinds of cool ideas and uh, conversations with entrepreneurs around the planet to help you guys have super success. Until next week, I'm Rivers Corbett, leaving you now with a sneak peek of next week's episode. Okay, well, look, you're global entrepreneurs. You're not uh, in uh, in you know Ontario or uh, or in a small region. You really are global entrepreneurs. So, give us you know you've got entrepreneurs that are listening to this across the country. What advice do you have for for them who are seeking cross cultural opportunities to turn into uh, into startups? First of all, I gotta say you should have a great business model. It doesn't matter matter what you're doing, what your product is, but you've got to have a great business model and, and that will include having a great product. And I, I, all of the, all of the 
normal things that are important in business are important in in having uh, you know a sustainable uh, social enterprise and I, I, I I think that one of the things about social enterprise is people think, well, if we just go out and, and do something good for the world, people will buy it. And the reality is that that, that is a part of uh, this decision-making when people purchase goods, but it is not what the primary motivation for people to, to buy things or, or access a service. So you still have to have a very rock-solid understanding of sociology, of what makes people behave. Uh, you must understand sales. You have to have a good handle on accounting. You really need a lot of technical skills that can work with um, SEO and social media and all the digital platforms that you've got to be working on. Uh, you've got to you've got to make the look of whatever it is that you're selling an eye catching and eye appealing and something that I just want to pick it off the shelf right now, pick it up and look at it and touch it and take it home. So there are still all of those things still in in front of of any of the other considerations. Yeah, that's that's very interesting because everything you just described there are the fundamentals of doing business even in your own backyard. Yeah.